Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Paratalk. And on this episode of Paratalk, I have a returning guest, a uh, paranormal podcast uh, colleague, um, I suppose. It is the one and only uh, Kevin Eustain of uh, We Need to Talk About Ghosts. I'll take that. It's Kevin Eustace. But, um, but I'll take you, Stain. It's like Dave Mustaine. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, like the Megadeth version. Bit of, of Megadeth. Yeah, they wouldn't believe that we just spoke for a full hour as well <laughs> <laughs> prior to this. I, that people will know who listen to me long enough that me and names of places and pronunciations, <laughs> I'm not great. I'm not great at those. So, yeah, I'm not great at that Mate, stuff. I'll take it. No, Dave Mustaine and Kev Mustaine. It's, it's a match made in heaven. Well, yeah, one of the classics, Megadeth. Oh. It's, uh, it's one of the classic bands of the 80s, that is. So, I, uh, when I contacted you, I said, Yo, Kev, are you down for an episode? I, I replied with a yo. And, uh, yeah. Um, and then done some sort of gangster sign, too, because we're so street that, you know, that's, that's how we communicate with each other. That's so. right. We were, we, were, we were down with the groove, and we were yeah. kicking... Hedgehogs. Hedgehogs, there we go. So, I thought, uh, let's do an episode, because it's been a while. I think the last time that we got together was was it the live stream wasn't it i think it was a live stream yeah it went, it went on for a while we got really into the into the weeds with that one i think yeah um, very good chat but i think we covered everything from like quantum theory to poltergeist to ufos there's a bloody good chat but yeah uh, it was a live stream yeah I, that was that was a good uh that was a really good um uh live stream I, yeah you are right i think we actually just um uh talked about at, where we talked about um, everything. Well, I think we covered every subject the paranormal has uh, yeah. at some point and uh, maybe a little bit more. I think even uh, Bigfoot got in there for a little bit. Bigfoot did, yeah. yeah. In fact, you're right, because I think I recall the whole, are oh, UFOs just um, bird spotting Bigfoot, for want of a better phrase? But yeah, you're right. Wouldn't it be weird, right, if like the little grey aliens were in their UFO spaceships and that Bigfoot that we saw were actually the little aliens with giant Bigfoot suits on. Yeah, that well, that'd be... I don't think... I don't think... in my, Throughout my entire adolescent youth, I don't think I've smoked enough that would make that <laughs> not weird. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a good shout. Maybe, who knows? Maybe, maybe. So I said, uh, yo, Kevin, let's do an episode. We arranged it. We said, let's talk about... Well, let's talk about your uh, your stomping ground, really. Liverpool. and mm. And a few weird things that have happened there. I've got a couple of um, accounts which um, are, I think they're pretty much uh, on the level of uh, as bizarro as I could get. Okay. Uh, and uh, I think you've got a, a couple of experiences you uh, are going to relay. But, yeah, uh, I've got a couple off my sleeve, yeah. Mm, so um, what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a story. Actually, no, I'm, actually, what I'm going to do at the moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you. I'm going to, uh, I've got a little bit of a, a test for you, actually. Before right. I jump into these stories, I'm going to test you. Because I know that you you know your stuff. And uh, I want to get some we'll feedback. We'll see. Well, yeah, okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna tell you a little scenario, right? Okay. Uh, and I know you've just moved into your new home. And you're, I, I, hope, I hope you're settling in. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I hope that um, it's not been too, you haven't had too much uh, paranormal stuff going on. Well, we have, but uh, well, I haven't. But my partner has, and okay. she's the skeptic. So that's the wonderful thing about it. But yeah. So, you you've moved in, right? And uh, mm -hmm. you've got you got all your stuff done. You get plagued with uh, with the, with the classic uh, uh, ghost that likes to uh, open and close doors. Ah, damn. Yeah, and uh, is, I think this is this. You're not cursing me. This is just a, no, another not, example. No, I'm not. I'm not cursing right, okay. you. I'm just laying. I'm laying the grounding for a what an amazing adventure. Okay, yeah, I'm all for this. An Christ, adventure, this an adventure that Luke Skywalker never had. Okay, fair enough. But need to say, I mean, that could be go to Tesco's, really, couldn't <laughs> it? Because they didn't have that on the Death Star. But okay, I'm still down for this. All right, okay, so okay, you're in your house. And mm. uh, you have to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna basically gonna play you four sounds, right? Mm. And you have to tell me uh, what kind of ghost made those sounds. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. But also, wow. the sounds are based around uh, doors. 
<laughs> okay. Right. Okay. They're based around doors. And uh, I want you to tell me the kind of ghost and how they felt when they did what they did. All wow. right. Okay, yeah. Right. I've definitely stepped through a dimension here. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to go with uh, number one. All right. right. This is number one. This is the... I'm not going to say any more. I'm just going to say it's number one. Let me... Uh, um, let me just check my levels and make sure I turn myself up a little bit. There we go. So I'm going to go with number one and we're going to try this. Let's, this is, okay. this is all as it happens. So here's number one. All right. I'm going to play it a few times. I'm going to play it again. There we go. So that's door mm. number one. Kevin, tell me mm. what ghost slammed that door? Well, and to be honest, I can only take the question how it's asked. So well, I imagine if we're going to have four door opening and closing sounds, yeah, they're all poltergeists because they have to have some sort of, you know, ability to pick up and move something. If you want to get finickety about it, yeah. me personally, when I hear that noise, that would be a Vardoga, which would be the ghost of somebody returning or leaving for work in the morning from their house, heard by one of their lovely children who says, where's Papa? And they hear that noise, and it was a Vardoga. And then if you want me to go into the, uh, the angry or the happy, I'd say that they're kind of ambivalent. They're just going about the day. Okay. Is that good enough? Is That's that what quite good. For? That's I have quite... no idea. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weigh in a little bit. I'm thinking that it could be a, uh, a playback from a past event where... Mm ghost in his real life came maybe he was a bus driver and he had a really bad day and he came home and he, his wife said where have you been he said i'm just late i've just had a really day and she said yeah i'm not having this you've got to be home because your tea was in it's in the dog the dog's at it the, the yeah, dog ate your tea it, it yeah. was sausage and mash tonight and you, you you're not getting any more and then he was yeah. really angry and he said Do you know what I'm off down the pub. I'll back later. There you Fair go. Fair enough. Okay, okay. So that was an angry slam to you. And it was also like um, an audible ghost tape theory type of ghost. Yeah. Good. Both valid points. Both valid points. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, uh, this is working out good because we we're on to number two now. Right. Brilliant. I can't remember what I can't remember what all of these were in. So I'm, it's, I'm, I'm running this blind. This is the best quiz I've ever done. Okay. Like, you know. So... Here's number two. Let's go for number right. two. All right. One more time. All right. Over to you, Kevin. All yours. Okay. Um, right. Okay. Well, this conjures up the impression, again, for me, Poltergeist, because I, I'm not one who believes in, hmm, not that I don't believe in the audible phenomena of a stone tape theory. Right. I think it's more of a, phys um, a sight thing, a visual thing for a stone tape theory. And, not that I don't believe in it, but I think it's more likely if they're moving a noise, for, for argument's sake, you'd need to know that that was definitely your door in the house that was being moved. Yeah. Therefore, again, Poltergeist says it will be for the next two, I imagine. But this one, in my opinion, okay, is um angry old woman <laughs> who is sick of the fact that her favourite items have been moved from her favourite cupboard and she's just looked in it as it's open. Because we don't hear it open. It's already open. And she's looked in it and all of her little thumb things that she puts on when she's sewing and darning have been either thrown out, sold on eBay, or just binned, and she's went, for gods, and she's just slammed it shut. That's what took place there. Okay, all right, one more time. Now, everybody with that in your mind, imagine yeah. the old woman, she's having a bad day, all her stuff's gone, she does this. There you go. That's it, that's <laughs> it. Just a gentle little whack with a hand. That's the kind of two-fingered. It's like a two-fingered push, isn't it? It is a two-fingered push, yeah. It's something that a granny would do. Yeah. It's like you push it, but as you push it, you you turn around and walk away because you know it's yes, going to shut. exactly. Yeah, you know it's going to shut, and, and you don't want to look back because your thumb things just aren't in there. And for the love of God, if you could remember what the thumb things were called. Thimbles. Thimbles, yeah. Well done, Nan. Right, okay. Uh, okay, number three. Nearly nearly, mm. nearly there. Number three, one more to go. Pause, guys. So, <laughs> I'm gonna I can't remember what these were, so this is just number three. Let's have a go. Okay. Alright, one more time. Wow. Okay. All well right. for me, yeah. Right, that's not a ghost for me. That's in the context. 
of having so many clips close together, there uh, would have to be yeah. one which has an earthly explanation. So for me, that is the sound of a very big old door within a jail or a castle that just through sheer age creaks, knocks, bolts sometimes fall out of place. So it sounds desperately scary, but it is in fact no need to worry. It's just the age of the massive door. I can't believe I'm saying all this. These things are just sounds, <laughs> but that's what it is. That's what it is. Perfectly rational explanation for that one. Yeah. So that was the odd one out. But there's one more. We've got one oh, left. I'll see. see. Uh, so, yeah, we've got one left. Let's go for the uh, next one. And again. Okay. Okay. Mm. That, is, um, that is the one that would freak me out the most because that, to me, is the sound of a cupboard door, a high cupboard door in the kitchen um, being thrown shut that you wasn't aware was open because you're sitting with your back to it enjoying your cornflakes of a morning in complete silence, maybe looking at a text on your phone. Then you hear that. And yeah, that's just a malevolent entity. There's no grandma there. There's no thimbles involved, no Vadoga and no rational reason. That is just an angry, malevolent energy messing around in your kitchen, I think. I kind of, when I heard that sound, I had similar vibes, but the vibes I got was when I heard it, I don't know why, but I had the vision in my mind's eye of a small boy, possibly a possibly a chimney sweep. Why not? <laughs> Maybe from the, I don't know. He, he kind of graduated to a chim chimney sweep. Maybe okay. he was a picker-upper before that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A pickpocket, something. But he got into chimney <laughs> That's sweeping. That's a gradual evolution, isn't it? He was pickpocket, he got promoted to chimney sweep. And then full-blown cockney at the end. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe there was a tragic accident one day where yeah. a door slammed on him. And that's his oh. kind of call sign now where you're in the house, you mm. hear this and you go, that's, that's a little, you know, that small Timmy, must, the chimney sweep. He must, have, he must have had an egg made of <laughs> eggshell if that killed him off. So it's like the world's smallest. That's how he died. Really? What was he made of like feathers and dust? <laughs> like a moth? Well, yeah, I'm just... It's, Kevin, I'm just speculating. I'm just speculating. No one knows, do they? This is the thing. I'm not psychic. I don't know. That's the beauty of the quiz. No one knows. Science. It's all about science. It is. So, is there any? Are there any? Are there any answers to to this quiz, or is it, <laughs> no. is it as brilliant as it seems? The answers are what we choose them to be. Amazing. Amazing. I think that's possibly the best quiz I've ever done. Anyway, Genuinely. that that was the quiz. Uh, no, it's no more. There's no prizes. You win nothing. Fair enough. I, I didn't. I came with nothing, Chris. To be honest, that was big. Who wants to be a millionaire? I know you're not called Chris. Just yeah. You win joke. a box of. Uh, you you win a box of uh, Walker's no Golden Wonder sausage and tomato crisps and a year's supply of Chewits and Spangles. Fair play. That sounds very jaw consuming. <laughs> that's all of you. It. That's all you get. Amazing. No, no, fair. No, genuinely, though, that's uh, I always like randomness. There's not nothing beats a good bit of randomness. It helps the world go around. So well done on producing that quiz. I really did like that. Thank you. I did think quite hard on that one. And I thought, what would be a good quiz? I didn't just didn't want to ask questions. I just thought I thought sounds would be better. You know, sounds are better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I've, yeah. yeah, I would never have invented that quiz. In, if somebody said write a million paranormal quizzes, that would not have been one of them. So amazing. Amazing. I am going to tell people about this. Like, you know, <laughs> as soon as when I speak to my partner later, she'll be like, what was you doing at the start when you were just like laughing and talking nonsense? And I'll go, well, sit down and listen to these noises. <laughs> All right. Okay. On with the show. On with uh, something a little bit different. Not that that wasn't different, but this is even more different. So as we said at the beginning, we were talking about uh, things happening in Liverpool uh, uh mm -hmm. ghost things and weird things because apparently there's been a a lot of stuff going on in liverpool when it comes to of late uh, well in, in recent years uh, i didn't know i didn't know that uh liverpool also had a vampire oh yeah yeah lodge lane vampire allegedly it's um uh, yeah. literally two streets from behind where i am i'm a lot more um well now i used to live bang in the city center um and now i'm about 10 minutes walk from there so it's still city center but it's more on the cusp and we're a lot closer to where a lot of the alleged suburban paranormal activity yeah. takes place. But yeah, Lodge Lane's about, it's, well, the city centre is about 10 minutes walk from my house now, but Lodge Lane's about 10 minutes walk in the opposite direction. So 
bit of a weird HQ to be situated in. Before I jump into this, uh, this account, I was going to ask you, Penny Lane, that's mm. another alleged paranormal place. Is there any, is there any sort of uh, stories in Liverpool of like the ghosts of uh, like, you know, maybe John Lennon or Beatles yeah. stuff? Is there any stuff like that up there? To be honest with you, not really about the Beatles as such. There's one about um, a woman walking a dog through Strawberry Fields. Strawberry Fields is an actual place. Uh -huh. it's, um, it's on the street where John Lennon used to live with his Aunt Mimi. And uh, Menlove Avenue, or it's just off, should I say. And um, it's like a Salvation Army camp. It's always been a Salvation Army camp or a building ran by the Salvation Army. But a lovely big field in front. And the building in itself is just called Strawberry Fields. Anyway, shortly after John Lennon's death, some woman was walking her dog through Strawberry Fields and came across. She alleges that she wasn't a Beatles fan, so she wouldn't have recognized them. But when she, these two people, an old elderly woman and a, a young man wearing round glasses, disappeared after saying hello to her. And when she described them to people, she now has seen photographs of John and his Aunt Mimi and believes that she ran into the ghost of John and his Aunt Mimi in Strawberry Fields. So... Other than that, there's no real, you know, sightings of the Beatles as such. But yeah. all of the Beatles areas do have their own paranormal. Like there's a devil in the cavern, for example. There's, you know, a poltergeist on Penny Lane. There's all a lot of locations to do with the Beatles. And obviously there's the stories, the alleged stories, which are, they're not terrifying, but they're a good look to how little coincidences can can sew a narrative of a story, of a, of a scary story together. So there's a lot of stories about like John Lennon selling his soul to the devil on a bridge in Mossley Hill which is just down the road. And um, the night after when they played, I think it was Liso, uh, was the first night they experienced Beatlemania and they all came backstage. And one of the guys who wasn't a Beatle, who was backstage at the time, um, has gone on record to say, like, the guys were all back saying, I've got no earthly idea what just happened out there. That was like madness. And John cracked the joke, as I sold my soul to the devil last night. But all of these things, so the there's a lot of weird coincidences where it implies... And there's like um, that he's done it. And there's like lyrics to Number Nine Dream, which he wrote obviously solo in later life. There's some lyrics within that. Was it just a dream? Took a walk through the park, through the fields and all this. And it, within that, it's kind of an implication that he's met someone and he's referring back to meeting them years ago. That people assume he's talking about when he sold his soul to the devil for 20 odd years of, or was it 17 years of fame or something? Or 20 years yeah. of fame. It obviously ran out in 1980. So there's all there's a load of wonderful mystique around it, but you're gonna have that with anyone, aren't you? Especially if they reach the heights the Beatles did. Could you um, imagine you're a fan and mm. uh, you 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 go to the doctors and you're in the doctors and he's saying, "How can I help you?" Uh, I don't know whatever your name is, Jeff, and you yeah. you say to him, he says, "Can you tell me what this sound is?" No, <laughs> <laughs> you say to him, oh, "I got a." Uh, <laughs> I got Beatlemania. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be all right with that. It's that. It actually sounds like you've caught someone. It doesn't like a disease. I've got Beatlemania. Beatlemania. Uh, yeah. So yeah, keep grabbing your head and screaming. What do I do? <laughs> you know what? There's a, there's a better man than me would have a punchline ready for that when you said, "What do I do?" And then you know, I don't know. Pick a Beatles lyric that makes sense right <clears> there. You, what you do I is you know. go out. And you listen, Jeff. You go out and you buy every Beatle record that is on in the record shop, and that's what you do. And you listen to them all backwards, because yeah. apparently the Beatles songs play them backwards. There's hidden messages, apparently. Yeah. Well, the thing is that there's there's actual truth, like definitive truth to mm. that. Is that when the um they had a lot of weird uh, weird things when they recorded the anthology sessions, you know, for that thing they'd done for ITV back in the 90s. And they released Free as a Bear, didn't they, which got to number one. Yeah. And um, and within, when they were recording that, they were seeing like a white peacock walk around the grounds. And they were say, and I think it was George said, that's John, John's here. So on the Free, of a, Free as a Bird record, at the end of it, when it's fading out, the on the video, there's a clip of George Formby. The, obviously the ukulele playing wartime entertainer and he um and they were all fans of george formby i think most northerners are fans of george formby even myself i was kind of brought up on black and white george formby films and um anyway george formby's catchphrase was turned out nice again at the end of free as a bird they decided as a nice little tribute to john whose mother used to play ukulele and all this carry on the um they played george formby saying turned out nice again and but because you know 
sounds a bit weird throwing George Formby at the end of a track. They reverse the speech. And now when they play it forwards, or when they play the backwards bit at normal speed, it sounds like it says, made for John Lennon, which is a... And do listen to that. That's just not me going mad. When you listen to the end of Freeze, Freeze a Bird, it actually sounds like it says, made for John Lennon, but it's uh, turned out nice again, reverse. So they do use reverse speech intentionally. Have you ever heard a ukulele through a distortion pedal? I haven't, no, and I do love ukulele plays. I think it's a talent. If you can play ukulele properly, you know, like a George yeah. Formby strum, like a feather strum, honestly. Yeah, it is, it is, a, yeah it is a knack. It is a knack. Uh, yeah, but George Formby. I remember him as a kid. I remember him being on the telly. He was in some yeah. films, didn't he? he was yeah, well, that's a, I remember, like, my nan was a huge George Formby fan, and um, as was my dad. And they used to always show us the films on BBC Two and on Channel 4 um on the afternoons and you know come on george and all these films where it, like he'd play a half wit trying to join, join the army or ride a horse or whatever and he'd always write his own songs and he was like apparently he was like the biggest selling wartime yeah. artist or something you know yeah. like one of these like ridiculously famous people yeah there was rumor johnny depp was meant to be playing him in a, in a biopic which would be amazing uh but i don't know how far that got off the ground not too paranormal but i do love a bit of george Formby. Anyone that can get themselves out of a quite a serious situation by pulling out a ukulele and singing a song. Exactly. Is, is you know, all right in my book. There is, just to keep tight, a bit back into the paranormal. He's got on Spotify, there's loads of George Formby songs. And he's got a song on there called Our House. Because in, up in the north, you don't say R, you say Our. And it's called Our House is Haunted. And um, listen to that song, it's amazing. Because he always plays a wimp. And in that song, he's implying that the house is haunted because yeah. he keeps hearing strange noises around the house. But he's basically describing a fella having an affair with his wife that he's not been able to catch. And uh, therefore he thinks the house is haunted. But it's amazing. <laughs> and it's worth any two minutes of anyone's time. It's a bit cheeky, out. that one. It's a bit of a cheeky it one. It really is. really is. Anyway, uh, moving along from uh, George Formby and the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, that's a good sound. <laughs> We're going to talk about our first account, which happened in mm -hmm. uh, Liverpool, because that's what it's, uh, this episode's about, weird stuff in mm -hmm. Liverpool. For anyone that uh, doesn't know, well, everyone knows Liverpool, but I think that not everyone's going to know the intricacies of the layout of Liverpool. Yeah. The, the place where this first account happened is, uh, is it Roby Street? Roby Street? Roby Street. Roby yeah. Street. Um, where exactly is that, Kevin, in Liverpool? Um, so I needed to Google it myself because I, I, I knew it was pronounced Roby because there's a Roby within Liverpool yeah. as an area. But it's actually just off Edge Hill. So it's on the other side. I'm within the Edge Hill border where I am right now. It's on the other side of that. So it's just in between where I'm sat now and a place called Sefton Park, okay. which is a large um, <clears throat> green area, which people will know. Uh, so this, uh, this happened in 2009, so uh, quite a few years ago. But mm -hmm. uh, not that long ago, in the sense of paranormal stuff, it's quite quite a recent. 39 years old, and the chap's name was Alistair, and he was a software developer. Uh, he was at work. This is where he was working in, in Ruby Street. He was in office there, was having some time off. He was leaving early because he was going to go and visit a friend who was in Crosby, which is a seaside town. Is it on the outskirts or in Merseyside? Yeah, it, it's it's not too, again. It's it's about it's about a twenty five minute drive from Liverpool city centre, but it, it's a seaside town. Yeah, it's lovely. So he's on his way out. He comes down the steps. It's a big old fashioned door which looks out onto the street. He can see outside on the street. He can see a set of traffic lights. There's traffic, cars. There's a building the other side. You know your average busy city centre. First thing he notices a bit weird that as he steps onto the steps to leave the building, he sees a girl that's a young lady that's looking at him, and he he sort of looks at her attire and thinks, yeah, she's dressed a bit weird. She looks like she's from the nineteen seventies the way she's dressed. She's looking at him, and but she's walking away, and as she walks away, she vanishes. He's like, what's going on here? But as that happens, he looks up across the street, and the car. And the traffic lights, they also disappear. So the girls disappeared, the cars disappeared, that's just pulled up at the traffic lights, and the traffic lights have disappeared. He then looks down at the road, and the road is no longer tarmacked, but it's now cobbled. 
and there's nothing around. There's no cars, there's no anything. This is all happening in a few seconds. He then witnesses these strange coloured, kind of describes them as coloured lights, rainbow effect. And within a few seconds, the traffic lights are back. The tarmac road is back. There's pedestrians and people around. And the, the car is back. But here's the interesting thing. The car, when it reappears, it's further towards the traffic lights than when it vanished. But then he witnessed the car rolling backwards to the point of where it originally was. He also noticed that there was this strange distortion in his vision as he was looking out at watching all this stuff, as it was all kind of, you know, resettling. Of course, he never went to visit his friend. He turned straight around and went back upstairs and had a lie down. Would you class that as a paranormal ghost event or would you class that as something more in the realms of a time slip or something like that? I'd say, I mean, from the description of it, because, you know, and I don't write the rules and none of us write the rules on it. So you can't say the next sentence I'm going to say, I've got no right to say, but according to what we, we know, canon wise of ghosts, you can't have a ghost road or a ghost traffic light. And if you've seen a ghost scene, there is, I think there is a certain sort of border when what you're witnessing moves into the time slip area as opposed to seeing a ghost. Because if you're saying there for argument, well, for one, if you're seeing, uh, in my eyes anyway, if you're seeing a spirit or an alleged spirit of someone from the 70s, that in its own right, you would think, knowing a bit about the topic, you'd be like, okay, unless they're interacting with you, then you're seeing some sort of psychic replay or a stone tape event or whichever else. But when the surroundings begin to change with that, because, you know, keeping with the stone tape theory event, the idea being, as we all know, the whole, like, uh, an event happened that imprinted itself on the surroundings and then replays itself in the right conditions, like a recording. But a street and a light don't have that emotive quality to imprint themselves also on the surroundings, so they shouldn't be replaying themselves. So I think when you go past the point of just seeing a, a replayment of a 70s spectre and then they're on the 70s street and then the surroundings change i think then you're moving into the into the more you've moved out of the clearly a uh, spirit event into a this is some sort of temporal disturbance in the time space continuum sort of yeah chat i think i uh i gave this a lot of thought uh because it falls into the realm of something that really fascinates me and that is uh now, some people will laugh and some people will go, ooh, this is interesting, into the realms of the simulation theory where mm. when we experience some past events and events that happen, uh, and it, like this, for example, is this a prime uh, candidate that we're not actually witnessing uh, something that is, as you say, paranormal in the sense of just a ghost or whatever that we're actually witnessing something that is part of what we are and what we're experiencing and what has been before. In mm. the sense of, for example, if we are, let's get really sort of woo and out there. Let's imagine that all of this is a simulation, that everything yep. that we are experiencing right now to us is real because we are part of the program. We are... Uh, we are bits and bytes and data. So everything yeah. that is around us to us is absolutely real. Mm. But imagine if all of that data that's happened, you know, all of our history, all of our human history, our things that have happened before is on, a, is on some sort of huge data storage device somewhere. Okay. Yeah. And it's all there. Now, imagine if it's stacked there in layers and... When we have these events where things vanish or things reappear or things seem to reset themselves or we experience something that is completely out of the norm, for example, a ghost army in the sky having a battle or something like yeah. that, that those events are events that have happened before, but they are replaying uh, in a way that not so much corrupt data, but it's an overlap into yeah. our time stream, you know, our... It's a glitch. I don't yeah. want to say in the matrix, but it's a glitch in the program. So it, it's like when you have two files 
that end up, you know, you can never have two files with the same name. And if you do, mm. you'll get corrupt files. Maybe something yeah. data corrupts along the way and you get these events that happen. I, I find this whole simulation theory, you can go, I mean, it's just a theory. But well, it's a theory, but it's heavily, it's heavily, well, not agreed, but it's you know, it's highly thought of in the realm, not in the just pseudoscience. Like major philosophers have come out and said, because it's that whole base reality idea, isn't it? It's if the what is it, the singularity? It's along the lines of if technology keeps advancing, we will get to the point where just like computer games keep getting better, we will be able to program a universe within a game, yeah, and then we'll do it so well that that universe within the game will be able to create a universe within a game. And then the chances of us being in base reality, as in the, the originating universe which first made the game, becomes less and less likely until it gets to like one in a billion that we're actually not a simulation. And then the most terrifying piece of news that I read on that recently was um, some scientist in Japan, I think somewhere had worked out, yes, but in order to have this program running at such a pace, you would it can't be possible because it would require, you would need to have a storage drive the equivalent to, and they came up with this um, this figure and said, and that would take up a block of the universe that would clearly be visible. And somebody counter-argued it with, that's the exact size of Boots Void in the sky, um, in the universe. And it was mm. like, oh, time to maybe think we are in a simulation then. I think, I think when it comes to stuff like this, and of course, we're on a, a half an hour episode, so I don't want to go too deep. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I, I kind of like, I always find it fascinating when we think of things in terms of our own understanding and we say, well, it can't happen because this is this. Well, it's it's that because that's the way that we understand how reality and how the wor world works. You know, it, things might be completely different in a, in a realm where, for example, if we have advanced so long into the future, say we 20,000 years into the future, maybe... Maybe this, our reality, is, is a simulation of our history for those in the future can step into and come back and experience yeah. different parts of past history. And maybe those ghosts or maybe those flying things in the sky that people see are individuals traveling back from the future or stepping into our simulation to yeah. relive parts of past history that happened long before they were around. It's an endless, bottomless rabbit hole. But I, I do find it fascinating when you have areas like Liverpool where you have these strange events because there's the Bond Street event as well that happened to a couple where they, saw, Street, yeah. they saw a building change and they saw the environment change. And there was a builder as well that uh, was doing work in that area and he um he was doing work on a building and he had i think it was two hours he was wearing a digital watch and it just ran backwards for like two hours his watch he couldn't do anything he just ran backwards in that area and when he put mm. down his hard hat that he was wearing he placed it next to him whilst he was working and then he went to pick up his hat and he was the only one there and uh his hard hat was gone and it was nowhere to be found so yeah. and it also this whole simulation thing is uh, you think about people who literally just vanish. They just disappear. They mm. are never seen again. They go out for a walk and they, I mean, not everyone. There are people that go out for a reason and they're, you know, they're going to commit suicide or I'm on about people that go out and they're never seen again. If you think about it, if they kind of, if we are in that kind of digital realm, if our, reality was switched off if it didn't work and they just switched it off or they reboot it or they format it we wouldn't know we would just we would cease no. to exist we wouldn't there wouldn't be like oh it's all ending it's all falling no it just doink you know gone so yeah, yeah i think that's uh maybe that's a topic for another day but uh oh it definitely is yeah we could do a full show you could go proper madness. proper bonkers on that proper bonkers you really that. could yeah you yeah really could so i've got another uh another account here which is similar not similar well kind of mm. it's in the same realms but this is um this is of a, a church now there's a church in liverpool st luke's church isn't it yeah is that right the bombed out church it's a bombed yeah. out church and it's been it was bombed uh in the the world war Two, uh and it's uh it, it's completely gutted 
but it's um it's more of a would you say it's kind of like a symbol almost? yeah it's a landmark it's a landmark yeah. to the blitz really because outside of london liverpool was the most heavily bombed area yeah um and the building itself it's it's known locally as the bombed out church if you get in a taxi you can say the bombed out church and that's where you go like it, it refers to itself as the bombed out church there's a website and it calls itself the bombed out church and only within the information you find out it was ever called saint luke's but it's uh it's it bombed out during the war the walls and the doorway in are all they all survived they're all intact yeah so the bomb literally fell through the roof and it obliterated and burnt out there's pictures of it that you can see on fire uh, black and white ones obviously the bell tower is still there with the clock froze at the time it was hit and there's no roof you can see right in there's plants growing in it and all this and but the walls are still standing around it and there's like outside now it's like a, there's a poppy field there's a market and i was there on the weekend like i mentioned earlier they had a little market on inside but there's a poppy field outside and there's two statues um of a german and uh an english soldier or a uk soldier british soldier shaking hands over a football you know to commemorate the football yeah. match that took place and um, so now it's like a, a, a garden of peace or a monument of peace but yeah it's, it's a it's a breathtaking token you know it's a thing to just be there and remind you of you know, when you see a building that was literally destroyed and wiped out, you can you, you get a very small sense, a very small idea of the absolute carnage that went on in that city centre. God, yeah. When you see a building like that, so it's good. It is good to remain. You know, these things to stay there. So, uh, the church um, in that area, well, at the church itself, has there's been a number of uh, um, paranormal things that have gone on there. Um, I, I'll touch on one. There was one actually where a, a person was having a um he was going to work it was early i'm not sure if it was early in the morning it was late at night but he was he was on his on his way or coming home from work and there's a set of traffic lights outside and he pulled up outside on the main road and he glanced up at the church and it was all all the lights were on and uh, he could see the lights inside and he thought oh they've done the church up they've obviously got you know a, a choir in there or they're doing something and then he noticed, he glanced up at the traffic lights uh, to see if the lights had changed. And then he looked back over to the church and it was in complete darkness with no windows in it, in its bombed out state. So yeah. I'm not sure what he saw there, but he maybe that was a glimpse to the, as it originally looked or, or whatever, but he was completely like, huh? You know, and then he, he went yeah. on his way. Our story here, we're going to go back to sort of the evening of 1991, which is about a week before Christmas. And uh, it's a Friday evening, it's about seven o'clock, and uh, it, it's the Edwards family. And the Edwards family consisted of husband and wife, a daughter, and I think it was two sons. The daughter, Abby, she was the eldest at six years old. And the story kind of revolves a little bit around her. So they go to town because they're going to do their Christmas shopping. And each family member has got their own thing they want to do. And when they eventually get into the town, it's absolutely jam-packed. So they find somewhere eventually to park around the back of the church. There's a slight roadway, a small side road. They find a place to park in there. They get out of the car. They start to lock the car up and everybody's out of the car. And of course, their wife, she wants to go and uh, to the shop, curries and buy a CD player for a friend. And the husband wants to go elsewhere. And the children, of course, they want to go to the toy shop and look at all the toys mm -hmm. and you're a kid that's what you want to do at christmas yeah in all the uh you know kerfuffle and arguing uh the husband's like you know that's enough you know calm down and uh the little girl abby is they look around she's nowhere to be seen like where's she gone so immediately they think oh she must have wandered off because of the nearest place to the area is the church the the churchyard and the church she thinks they've she's obviously gone to the wandered off to the church so they all head off in that direction. They're calling her and they can hear her calling like from her mum. And they think, well, she's got to be around here somewhere because we can hear her. They walk up towards the church. And of course, it's all in darkness. Uh, the husband then asks the wife to go back to the car and get a torch because uh, there's one in the car. She goes to get the torch. He gets the torch and he walks down to the, towards the church. And as he's walking towards the church, it's all in darkness. Uh, they can, he can hear her calling out for the you know, mummy, you know. And he scrambles up onto the side of the church and he shines the torch into one of the open windows because there's no glass in the church. 
Uh, and all you can see inside is this just large open space. Nothing in there. Just, just you know, it's, it's completely gutted. There's nothing in there. But you can hear her. Also, he notices that he can hear very, very faint organ music, which he thought was a bit, bit odd. But he just thought there's obviously some choir somewhere. You know, it's Christmas time and all that. By this time, they start to get, like, proper worried. Uh, the mum's, like, freaking out a little bit. So they decided... Am I correct? There's a phone box. It must be the phone box near the church. Yeah, it's been removed in the last like two years, but yeah. there was always one on the corner. So this is the phone box they must have used to call the police. They immediately called the police. Like my my daughter's gone missing. The notification was sent out to all the police in the area that the young girl had gone missing, and they you know keep your eye out. And there was police in the town centre. While all this kind of frantic stuff's going on, they're looking around and they're looking around, and then all of a sudden, this very tall gentleman walks up from the church towards them because of course by this point they've moved themselves out of the church grounds up onto the main road with a side road yeah where the telephone box is this gentleman walks up and he's got the young girl abby holding her hand and he walks up and he's completely emotionless straight faced a little bit robotic in a way and he's uh he's all he says is um i'm, I'm really sorry this happened it, it won't happen again uh, let's go with the girl the girl runs for the mum he turns around and walks away and of course the husband then is like what the hell are you doing who are you you know and as he's trying to get the guy's attention the police turn up police get out of the car and they're like what happened he said the, the guy there go after him he's the guy that brought my daughter back and of course the police run after him and as they run down the laneway towards the church they come back a few moments later and say was we there's no man we, he's gone he's vanished he's gone and, you know, there isn't anyone uh they they walk around the church area and uh they don't find anyone they do a search they come back and they question the little girl and they say uh you know what happened that she's a little bit distraught so they give her a time to calm down and then they question her question her again and she says that when her parents were having an argument this old lady in a black kind of shawl uh, grabbed her arm, like her hand grabbed her, and ran off with her up towards the church and took her into the church and sat her down next to her. In the church, there were all these people in very old clothes and they were singing and there was a like a choir and a thing going on in the church. She was, you know, quite distressed. And a tall man in a long, dark suit told her, come with me. And he took her out of the church and took her back to her mother that was her reasoning you know that was what happened interesting thing to note that the police when they were searching for this alleged assailant that brought the girl back they also noted that when they were in the vicinity of the church area that they could also hear organ music play but they couldn't hear or uh, make a, a definite assumption as to where it was coming from it was just in the area yeah. so we have two cases there of Things happening which what well, shouldn't really be happening. A, a young child go what happened to the young girl? Did she actually go back in time? The thing that jumps out with me there, you touched on it before as well, is for me, and most Liverpoolians who are into the world of the strange will kind of agree with this statement, I believe. But Bold Street, I'm trying to think of a best way to describe it. If you fact, you know what? If anyone looks at a photograph of Bold Street taken recently, probably. They will see that, that at the very top of Bold Street, and Bold Street's pedestrianised now. So if you look at a recent photograph, you'll see that it's just one big long street. At the very top of Bold Street is the bombed out church. It overlooks Bold Street. It looks that's like at the at the midpoint of a hill, the bombed out church. Mm -hmm. And if you stood on the steps of the bombed out church, you look right down Bold Street, um, and that whole street leading up to um, St Luke's and inclusive of St Luke's. There's an atmosphere there of just bizarreness and strange leading from the church to the bottom of Bowl Street. And like you were saying before, yeah. Bowl Street is the location where there was the other, the more famous time slip of somebody coming out. This is the one that's been in papers galore. Um, somebody coming out of what was formerly a Waterstones and yeah. looking around and every, everywhere it turned into the 50s or the 60s. Yeah. And he's seen a Crips van or something, which was an old shop at the time. That particular store, the Waterstones store on Bowl Street, 
Like if you stand outside of that shop and you look to your right, you're looking at the bombed out church, you know, it's up on the hill. That whole thing, but Bowl Street in itself, the underneath every one of those shops running down that hill, the cellars underneath, and they're connected under Bowl Street to each other. A lot of being bricked up. Nobody knows why they were joined up underneath the road. And at the very bottom of Bowl Street is the first public library called, and it, it's now called the Lyceum. And it was like a gentleman's only library at the time. But there's rumours abound about secret societies in there that they've got something to do or had something to do with the tunnels underneath Bowl Street. And there's tunnels that lead from somewhere within St. Luke's Churchyard to those tunnels and they all peter out. Now, the reason why I'm saying anyone anyone will agree with me to say like Bowl Street's like a cultural hub in Liverpool. It's losing its way a bit now. Art shops are closing down and like, you know, pop-up cafes mm. are turning up instead. But there's some photographs, there's some really good like urban explorers who whenever a shop closes down, they get to go in and look at the cellars underneath. There's one particular cellar. I think it's on, if you're looking up Bolshoi towards the Bombay Church, it's on your right. And on the wall there, they took photos of what was in these cellars. And on one of the walls to one of these cellars, there's the most terrifying and wonderful piece of graffiti that you'll see because it's dated and there's two lots. And written in biro or scraped on, in biro on the wall is do not go through this doorway. This is literally the gate to hell. Exclamation, exclamation. And then it says like the 7th of the 2nd, 64, right? Mm. And then underneath that in black marker, it says, this is no joke, exclamation, exclamation, the 7th of May, 72. For example, people have added on to the graffiti and it just sends, it sh sends a shiver thinking about it now. It's just, a, it's such a, a wonderfully dark, energetic place as a whole and as i say it's presided over by the bombed out church so yeah i would suggest anybody any listeners have a look at the the photos of the bombed out church you'll see it in flame it's awful sights and then photos of bold street because you'll see the bombed out church looking over it from the top beautiful yeah. and wonderful and amazing but definitely there's something mysterious about the entire that entire strip of land yeah i mean it's uh it is a complete uh, other episode uh, in itself, which uh, some of the things that have happened in that area. As we're coming to the uh, end of this episode, that you have a little personal thing that happened to you in the in yeah. in, the, in that kind of area. What was in, what was that? Well, it took place in, in Bowl Street, actually. Um, so basically, in my youth, I got talking to some girl, as you do. Long story short, her uncle was writing a play. He was looking for a part of someone to play, ironically enough, a young John Lennon. But he needed to be able to sing, this mm -hmm. lad. Or so I was told anyway, that was the part that I was going to, going for. So I spoke to the guy on the phone and he was like, yeah, you sound perfect for this. I said, I've never acted, I've never, I can sing a bit. Yeah, you sound perfect. Okay, brilliant. So he said, we're meeting at a place called Cafe Tabac. Now, Cafe Tabac is literally on the foot on the footsteps more or less just across the road from the bombed out church at the top of bowl street this is just coincidental that my weird story takes place there though and it was like it at the time anyway like 94 maybe it was coming towards the end of what it was had always been which is like a little a little cafe for artistic types that's why this director fellow wanted to meet there like margie clark her agent owned us had something to do with the cafe and she'd go in there to get her acting jobs and all this carry on and we were sat in this around this table i went and met them and i was only like 15 at the time men and met them one night it turns out when i'm sat down the guy says oh no it's not john lennon that you're playing the part of it's you know you'll be singing a beatles song it was julia by the beatles he says um but you're meant to be playing like some army guy like i from the sound you're on the phone i thought you had a big deep voice and you're like seven foot and like i walked in looking like a scrawny john lennon age 40 and he was like you can't really play this army fella, but you know, we'll find a part for you anyway. So we sit in this, on this circular table at the time. Now it's much more hipster at this place. Yeah. But at the time it was a bit more spit and sawdust. We're sat in on around this circular table. He starts introducing people and I keep my mouth shut for the majority of the chats because I'm 15 and they're all adults. At the very start he goes, so I'm Mark. I'm the director. He says, this is like Brenda. She's going to play X, Y, Z. This is like Terry. He's doing this. Everyone. This is Kevin. And then he motions to my right and says, Steve does the music. And this fella to my, to my, to my right as he's pointing, but to my left, is just this really quiet fella. Mm -hmm. He's just drink, drinking coffee on his own. So I like nod towards him. And then we carry on with the thing. As I say, I stay quiet. And then I say, um, as it starts to die down, I say, hey, does anyone believe in ghosts? Because that's my go-to when I meet people that I don't know. They all start sharing ghost stories. 
and it's dead good talk for about an hour and then i they all stand up to make their way out so i leave anyway and this fella steve who does the music comes out and says um i'll give you a lift if you like he said i could not but hear you say from heighton and i said yeah yeah i'm just checking have i told you this story before no no i'm i'm uh, no. i'm totally engrossed here oh you got me no no i'm just okay you got me hooked. sorry i'm just making sure because I've, I've told it to a few podcasters and i just want to make sure i'm not repeating myself but anyway so they all go they're all going to a different train station to me they're going to ones there's two there's two stations in liverpool really there's central station on lime street and i was going to lime street they were going to central and this guy who does the music steve comes out um as they they all walk off i like to siggy and try and plan my route i'm going to get there and he says you live in heighton then don't you and i said yeah yeah he said uh, so you're going to lime street i said yeah he said well he said i only live in bluebell which is like an area within heighton he said if you want i can drop you off he said i've got my car there saves you getting a cab and uh, saves you getting a taxi sorry um a train even so i said yeah 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 that'd be brilliant thank you so we get into the car he pulls off and he starts driving down so he goes um couldn't help but over here there that, that like you're um you're into the paranormal and ghosts and stuff and i said yeah i'll love it like i'm really into all that sort of stuff are you and he went i am you see he said but i don't like to talk about it all that much so i'm saying no no i never get you with me and i said they can play with your head can't it he went yeah yeah and he seems dead agitated and he's like looking out the window and he's like thumbing his steering wheel as he's driving. And he doesn't say much. And then he goes, listen, he said, can I tell you something? And then he goes, no, I won't. I won't. And I'm like, no, what is it? I said, is it a spooky thing? And he went, mate, it's dead spooky. And I went, yeah, well, you can't just say that. He went, the reason why I don't want to tell you, he said, because I don't want it to pass on to you. So I'm instantly then 15 <laughs> years old. I'm peaked. I'm like, oh, you can't leave it there, mate. You've got to tell me now like really excited thinking he's gonna like you know and then i'm gonna tell all my mates and then he said this so he goes all right um he went all right but don't tell anyone <laughs> right okay yeah i said no yeah um so he goes uh he goes see what happened is uh, about 12 months ago he said i went i took the kids and the wife camping to glastonbury he said and um, not during the, the festival he said just outside of that he said so it was pretty empty he said and he had a video camera was filming the holiday he said, and we were all just having fun. And like, um, he said, my wife says to me, look at that up there on the hill. He said, on the tour, like the little tour hill in Glastonbury. He said, so I look up and he said, and I could see like figures moving around the hill. He said, so I got the camera and I pointed it at it. He said, and I zoomed in. He said, and when I zoomed in, he said, there was these like white figures, like in robes, like walking around the top of the hill. And I'm like, shut up, really? He was like, yeah, yeah. He said, and, uh, and then he goes, and mate, honestly, he said, they stopped what they were doing. He said, and one of them just turned around and looked at me and pointed at the camera. And I went, shut up. He said, no, sirs. He says, I said, what did you do? He said, I just quickly spun around and started filming the kids again and pretended that like I didn't see them. I was like, oh, that is spooky, thinking that's the entirety of the story. Mm. And then he says, um, so then, and now he's getting really worked up and agitated in the car as he's driving. Like, he's not looking at me. He's just so deep into the story. And he says, so then anyway, we get home. He said, when we walk through the front door, he said, there's an envelope on the on the mat. He said, they open it up and there's dead flies in it. He said, there's no letter, no nothing, just dead flies. Right, okay. Now, I think it was dead flies or the next day he got a letter posted through, no stamp on it, and it just said, you've seen something you shouldn't. So he either got that first and then there were dead flies or vice versa. Um, but they came one day after each other. And I'm like getting a bit freaked out and intrigued now while he's telling the story. And he says, um, anyway, nothing happens for about a week. And I'm saying, oh, well, it's maybe just neighbors messing around because there's no stamp and all this. He said, then my wife calls me and I said, look at this. He said, I've just been watching the videotape of the holiday. He says, and mate, that part where I zoom in on those figures, he says, the minute one of those figures stops and turns around at me, he says, the camera, what you see on the screen then, he said, is me holding the camera with the kids playing around me. He said, and it's upside down and it's black and white and it's about two seconds long and the tape stops. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and like, I've just got a shiver thinking about it now. And he's like, like thumping the steering wheel with each word as he's saying, on my kid's life, he said, the camera is like, they're holding it. It's black and white. It's upside down and it goes off. And I'm like, mate, that's insane. And he went, that's just the start of it. So now I'm like 15 years of age. I'm literally, pardon the French, but I'm like cacking myself. Yeah. And I'm like, right, right. Okay. Yeah. And I'm really getting like quite scared. He's also like, He's getting more and more hepped up as he's talking. And I'm 15 and he's like 38, 40 something. And he goes, so then he said, then we start to get like the kids are crying. 
at night saying there's someone in the room and i'm like right no then i'm lying in bed he said and there's a flash outside he said honestly he said oh, it was like the sun exploded he said and as i went to the room and opened the curtains there's a scream from the kids bedroom and i go in and they say that someone was trying to pull them off the bed and there was a woman in the corner and all this carry on he said my life just fell apart and i was like right okay and but he's getting again he's getting more and more worked up and then this is where i start to get genuinely scared now moving a bit outside of the paranormal because mm -hmm. then he says he says mate it was just messing with me head he said he said because then he said this he said have you ever been behind a, a car at the lights he said and when you look at the he said you worked up and when you look at the red last three of the registration it's the initials of someone you hate and i was thinking that's not paranormal mate that's that's just you being a lunatic <laughs> so you went um, so that started to happen and he said you know little things where you just knew it was some higher power trying to get at you and right at this point in the car i'm thinking no and thankfully we're we're on a stretch called heighten lane which is like a two minute walk from yeah. where i used to live so i said you know what anywhere here is fine i'll jump out and he was like no i'll take you home so i was like no honestly anywhere here is fine so thinking you're not knowing where i live yeah i'm freaked out on all corners yeah so anyway he pulls over the car but and she stops the engine and then turns to me and goes just promise me you're not going to tell anyone because the last thing i'd want is to think that i've started something spreading and i'm like mate you've got my word no word no absolutely no word so um he goes sorry nice one mate so I get out of the car and on my mother's grave i ran home saying the lord's prayer in my head because i was that freaked out like i was that honestly i've never been so scared in all my oh, life oh yeah that's scary that was... no, well this is this is this, the kicker now the next day mark the director rings um on that on the landline because that's the way it was back then yeah and says i've had a look and sadly it was lovely to meet you but sadly you know given your size there is no alternate roles that we can put you in but it was lovely to meet you hope you got home okay and i said it's funny you're saying that actually i said because uh that steve is intense i said and like you know i, I started to go out and he went steve who does the music and i said yeah and he went he wasn't there last night i went <laughs> no he was i said he was because he gave me a lift home he went no he wasn't and i went mate you when you introduced us you said and steve does the music i said and you pointed at him and he went no he was there when we got there he said i just gestured meaning steve wasn't there i just meant and steve does the music i went so he's just sat there listened to our conversation and then give me a lift home at the end of the night and he was laughing and going yeah that's what it sounds like took place so there you go so that's my so you've just uh you could make that into an episode of tales of the unexpected <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, you that's yeah. creepy that is well that that's a that's a a classic way to end this episode i think it's gonna yeah. it's gonna you we're ending on a cliffhanger because you're definitely coming back for some more of this <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah no it's a, it's a, it is a, it's, a, it's it's a terrifying tale because the thing is apart from the obvious non-paranormal terrifying point that this stranger gagged into the conversation got and then i got in the car with him that's terrifying and he clearly wasn't of the complete sanest of minds mm. his actual story of what took place was petrifying yeah that that had me running home terrified in the thought that he was someone i knew um, it's the so to find out he wasn't it's the not no i mean what's scary is the fact that you're out for an afternoon with your family you happen to see something that you've got no control over and then all of mm. a sudden what you've experienced has a way of knowing who you are and where you live. And, yeah. and that in itself is you become powerless. Exactly. You've yeah. got no power yeah. over that situation. You are literally, you're at its mercy, aren't you? Exactly. And you know what Reeves, the thing is, is, is I could tell, I mean, don't get me wrong. He may have just been very disturbed. And that, because when he was talking about the three letters of a registration being mm -hmm. an evil power, trying to pick on you, he said that in a convincing way. The veracity that he said that story with about being in Glastonbury and all this was so convincing. And like, you know, if it, it would have won an Oscar if he was an acting yeah. about how all that took place. And the sorts of little things in there that you wouldn't make up. When I say you wouldn't make up, people make up anything. But I think you'll know yourself. You hear that many ghost stories, especially doing yeah, what we do. Yeah. You've, there, there are certain little things that other people wouldn't pick out as being a sort of an indicative thing of, yeah. of, of truthfulness within someone's story. And it can be the weirdest little thing, like, you know, where they add in something which which you wouldn't if you were making up, you know, like, and so I grabbed the the green doorknob 
for example, you'd be like, if you wouldn't focus on the fact that it was a green doorknob if you were inventing this stuff. Mm. You, you know, there were certain things which, and he was full of them. So it, yeah, it always sticks out to me as, as uh, I, I always wonder what the thing is. I always wonder what's happened with him. And in, in truth, the first time I said this story was on Jim Harold's campfire mm. about six years ago. Yeah. Um, and I was reticent to put it on because I genuinely thought if he hears this, you know, he might just be like, yeah, and I've got a follow-up story and you said you wouldn't tell anyone. Or, you know, I don't know. And it was really scary, like, saying this for the first time. I genuinely, like, was thinking, I hope he doesn't air that because he was that convinced. And I thought, for all I know, he might have a, a direct line to some deity and then go, now you can pass the curse on because I know it's been told to someone. So That's creepy. Yeah. I mean, just the only the only creepy thing uh, that I, the most recent creepy thing that I had happened to me happened to me about a week ago and uh, when i'm when i'm uh in bed at night i'll watch a bit of i don't know netflix or youtube or whatever and i tend yeah. to wear headphones and mm. i th the headphones i wear are they're bluetooth they're connected via bluetooth in yeah. case i fall asleep you know so i don't drag my computer on the floor or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh what happened was it completely perplexed me because I had my uh, my computer on and I was just looking at uh, for videos and I saw a video and I I clicked the video, then I uh, clicked off of the video. So I didn't have time to load or play. I just thought, oh, no, I don't want to see that. Hmm. And uh, there was nothing in my headphones. And all of a sudden in my headphones, I heard a hello. Nah. And I literally took my headphones off and put them on the bed. Uh, and I thought, was that, what was that? Was that a, what I think it was, yeah. what I hope it was, a part of the video had kind of preloaded and yeah. because it's a lag, slight lag with Bluetooth, that that's what I heard when the video was off, but it, it actually perplexed me for a few seconds. I took the headphones off and put them on the bed and thought, what just happened there? Yeah, no, I wouldn't thank you for that. No, no, no. <laughs> it was, I heard it like, hello. It was like that in my head, in my head. I mean, it sounds friendly is, is the one positive. Yeah, but I'm think I'm just thinking, uh, I hope that was something on YouTube that I clicked on, the, you know, an advert played or something. And uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, that kind of, uh, that kind of, um, yeah, I uh, just took took them off then. And I thought, oh, no, 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 I don't, don't want that. You know, it's these weird things, isn't it? We, we all have these weird things happening. But anyway, yeah. we've come to the end of this episode of Paratalk. It's shot by. It's flown by. It has. It always does. Yeah, we always have a good chat, Reeves. I'll have to come on again. We yeah, the definitely. You are, you're coming back because uh, there's so much more to cover. I think what we need to do is we need to do a um, a kind of deep dive into uh, what is the what, what are hauntings and what is the paranormal and, you know, what what our thoughts are on what could be mm. going on. I think that would make a really good uh, yeah. episode. You've got any um, projects? We've got something special coming up for Halloween. I can't, I can't say too much more about that, not because it's secret, just because I haven't yet planned it out. So I literally don't know what it's going to I know what it's going to be topic-wise. I've received an amazing story that's possibly going to go over multiple episodes. I like, and it's, I'm not just saying this to try and add like drama to it. Genuinely, when I received it, I refer to it as a, as a once-in-a-lifetime thing to receive. Um, so that should be good if I do it right. I have to do it justice. And if I don't do it justice, I won't put it out because it's one of those stories. Um, but for we need to talk about ghosts, which is the other one. That's just more informal, as you know. It's um, me being an idiot 80% of the time, uh, mixed with true listener stories and a bit of a laugh. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Kevin, thanks very much for coming on and uh, keep keeping me company. And also, thanks very much for being part of the uh, quiz. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, it's the best <laughs> quiz I've ever done, and I, I'll stand by that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I hope everybody uh, listen, uh, enjoyed the episode uh, as much as I did. And, uh, of course, I'll be back again with uh, a new topic, whatever that might be. And until next episode, talk to you soon.